So, um, yeah, so Brent has been um, uh, taking us uh, through the Ten Commandments, and has, uh, Brent has said over and over again, uh, the, the theme of the Ten Commandments is uh, they're not uh, rules that uh, earn God's favor. Uh, they're not uh, rules that we can sort of uh, gain righteousness to get God's favor. Uh, instead, they are, the, they are the limits of a loving father. Uh, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel, it was already after he had redeemed Israel. Uh, it was already after uh, he, he uh, sacrificed the lamb. It was already after he took him through the Red Sea. Uh, Israel was his firstborn son, is what it says in the Old Testament, and he was their father. He is a father giving them limits that lead to freedom. Um, and, and we're the same way. When we receive these, uh, uh, when we hear of, of these commandments, we should be saying, this is a loving father uh, giving us uh, these commandments. He's not a judge. Um, he's already forgiven us. He's already accepted us. And uh, this morning we're on the seventh commandment. It's a short one. It's just five short words. You shall not commit adultery. Um, it's short, and it's on uh, the most important relationship that you will have, uh, the most intimate the deepest relationship that you will have with another person. Uh, it, it's in regards to marriage. Um, and uh, it seems a little strange that God would have one short commandment on, on marriage. Um, but in these short uh, five words, and just this little prohibition, what God does is he sums up uh, very potently uh, what he wants to, to say to us about marriage and what we all want for marriage. What do we all want for marriage? We want a partner who is faithful to us. We want someone who will love us unconditionally. We want someone who will accept us and love us for who we are for our entire lives. Um, God knows our limitations. God knows that we are insecure, uh, that, that we are fearful of commitment. God knows that we fear rejection. And so in love, he gives us this short but very important commandment. You know, when I was younger uh, uh, and in college, um, I was a pretty insecure person. I'm still insecure, but, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm still as, as insecure as I was. But um, I used to think when I was in college that my insecurities and my fears of commitment and all of these just bundled up things on the inside were unique to me, right? I used to think, oh, man, I am the weirdest person ever. Um, but, and, and it's not until I got married and I've been married and um, uh, we had kids and, you know, have a full-time job now uh, that I realized that, you know, fears and insecurities are, are uh, it's not something that's unique to, to one of us, but it's a universal principle that all of us want acceptance uh, and that all of us want someone to love us for who we are, uh, or, you know, in spite of who we are even. Um, and, and that's why God gave this commandment. You know, I, I have this very vivid memory uh, when, it, when my wife and I, Andrea, got engaged. Uh, it was this amazing experience because um, I had to fly from Texas to Indiana to do it. So I was super romantic. I was, I was the man, right? And uh, so I flew to Indiana. I uh, had the ring in my pocket the whole time. Palms are sweating. And I took her on this just day-long date. And she knew that I was going to ask her to marry me. And so because of that, I waited till the very end of the night. So she would, um, I don't know why I did that. She was, she was a wreck the entire time. But anyways, I asked her at the very end of the night to marry me. It was this big romantic thing. And um, the, ne the next morning, uh, my wife had this guy who was uh, her friend all throughout college, and her, her entire family was, was very sure that she was going to marry this guy. She ended up marrying me instead. But he ended up sending her this, this message. And um, they had correspondence. He was in, uh, he was, I think he was in the UK, of all places, getting his doctorate. You know, he was, you know me, I just, I'd just gotten my undergrad. I was just this little nobody, you know, of course. But, he, you know, he messages her, and he says, oh, congratulations. Oh, by the way, does Lucas mind if we still have private correspondence? And uh, she showed me that, and I'm screaming inside of my head. 
no, you know, <laughs> if, uh, if, if, I would, if I ever uh, murdered somebody in my heart, it was, it was then, you know, and, and, but, but I was totally insecure, I just remember it so vividly, I was like, what is this guy doing, he's trying to get his foot in, he's trying to break up this engagement, and, uh, you know, we haven't, uh, they, sh- they haven't talked ever since that, that moment, because it messed with me so much, my wife is nice, um, but that's how we all are, right, we're all afraid, and we're all insecure, and we want someone who will be faithful to us and someone who will love us. Um, even, even years after we've been married, Andrea asked me almost every single night. She asked me before we go to bed. She says, hey, Lucas. I say, what? Do you still love me? I say, yeah, of course. Do you still choose me? Yeah, of course. And then she'll turn over and go to bed. And um, it's, it might seem a little strange, but what she wants to hear at the end of the day is that I still love her. And it's not that she's questioning my love. It's not that she's questioning uh, uh, whether I uh, still want to choose her, but she wants to hear it. And uh, that's a condition that is common to all of us. We need to hear that we're loved. And um, this is why God has given this commandment. It's short, but it's potent, and it gets to the heart of what we all want from a relationship, from a marriage relationship. We want someone who will be faithful to us. Uh, we want someone who won't reject us. And so he says, don't commit adultery. That's what God says. Now, this morning, what I, what I want to do is I just want to ask three questions about, uh, about adultery. I want to ask three questions. Um, first, of all, first of all, I want to ask what adultery is. What is adultery? And, uh, you know, from the outset, of course, it's unfaithfulness. Uh, it's marital unfaithfulness. But I want to get a little deeper into what uh, exactly adultery is. So that, that's the first one. What is adultery? Uh, but second of all, I want to look at what adultery involves. What does adultery exactly um, involve and then last of all, how do you st- how do you stay faithful to your in in your marriage? So those are the three points we're going to look at the at this morning. Let's go ahead and jump into our first question: What is adultery? What is adultery? Uh, like I said, you know, just from the outset, it's it's unfaithfulness, but it's much bigger than that. You know, biblically speaking, uh, and and especially from the Jewish mind as, as they heard this commandment, uh, adultery was much was much more than that. Adultery was unfaithfulness, but it was unfaithfulness to the marriage covenant. Uh, when, they, when they understood adultery, uh, they understood it to be unfaithfulness to a covenant relationship, to a covenant uh, relationship. Now, what do I mean by covenant? Well, before I move on, just if you, we went through a marriage series just a couple of months ago. If you haven't listened to that series, I think it's only uh, four weeks. You can do it even this afternoon, two hours, you know. Um, but there's a couple of messages on, on uh, covenant and marriage in there that I'd encourage you to listen to. This is largely going to be building off of that. But suffice to say, a covenant is an unconditional binding relationship of love between two people. Uh, it's an unconditional binding relationship of love and self-giving uh, between two parties. Uh, when two people get into a covenant, they're saying, in essence, I commit to give all of myself for all of life to all of you. And, and no strings attached. I commit to give all of myself for all of life to all of you. No strings attached. I won't retract. I won't take it back. Um, you know, think of your marriage vows. Uh, you know, the common marriage vows are in sickness and in health. For richer or poor, I'm going to give myself to you. I'm not going to hold anything back. Um, that's, what a, that's what a covenant is. It's an unconditional relationship of self-giving uh, and mutual love. And uh, you can think of a a covenant in contrast to to a contract. Uh, Because what a contract does is is it creates a conditional relationship uh, built on mutual exchange. 
so, so what a contract says is, I will give you this as long as you give me that. And if you stop giving me that, I will no longer give you this. Right? Uh, contracts are common in the business world because what they do is they protect, uh, they protect the, uh, the business relationship. So you know, if you get hired at a, uh, at a job, you sign on the dotted line that you're going to put in 40 hours a week uh, for X amount of pay. So I'm going to give you this many hours of work. You're going to give me this much pay. And if you don't come into work for long enough, what, what do they do? They'll, they're they're going to fire you, right? That's what happened when I, at my first job. <laughs> uh, I didn't do the work, and so what do they do? You know, I was a bag boy. Who, who, you know, they took me to their office a month later. I said, they're going to give me a promotion, and they fired me. You know, anyways, lesson learned. But anyways, if you don't do your work, they're going to fire you. And, and likewise, if they don't pay you for your work, you can take legal action because that's the way a covenant works. It's a conditional relationship of exchange. As long as you keep on giving this, they will keep on giving that. But what a covenant does is it creates an unconditional. It's, it's the opposite of conditional. It's an unconditional relationship of love and self-giving. It says, I will give all of myself, not just my property, not just my money, not just my stuff. I'm going to give my entire self to you unconditionally. I'm never going to hold it back. Uh, no, no matter how hard the marriage is. Uh, no matter how hard the relationship is, no matter how much we struggle, no matter how frustrated I am, I am never going to retract the gift of myself. Uh, that's what a covenant is. Uh, when you get married, you said, in essence, I'm going to commit myself for all of life, no matter what. Um, and the Israelites would have understood, uh, understood the, the concept of the covenant intrinsically because they were in a covenant relationship with Yahweh, with, with the God of the Old Testament. They were in a covenant relationship with him. Uh, uh, you know, 400 years before the giving of the law, God entered into a covenant relationship with Abraham. And essentially what he did is he, he created a, a covenant. He said, I'm binding myself to you and your descendants, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your family no matter what, no matter what it takes. And the entire story of Israel is God pouring out his unconditional love to Israel and never withholding it. Uh, that, that's the whole point of the Exodus. In Deuteronomy, God is telling Israel why he rescued them. He said, it wasn't because you were so great. Uh, in fact, you were the smallest nation in, in, on the whole earth. There was nothing significant that would make me love you. And yet, I love you because I've entered into a covenant with you and your descendants. And, when, and, and so he rescues them, and when he uh, takes them to, the, uh, to, to Mount Sinai, he says, now I, I have entered into covenant, now you enter into covenant with me. You give yourself to me. And uh, that's the whole basis of the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before me. Why? Because we're in covenant with God. Uh, because we've given our whole selves to him. And so uh, th that's, that's the essence of a covenant. It's an unconditional relationship of self-giving. It's not conditional. It's not contingent on something uh, else in, in your spouse, it's unconditional. And within the marriage covenant, sex is the highest, uh, it's, it's the highest uh, 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 communication of covenant commitment. Uh, sex is the, is the highest way that you can communicate to your spouse that you are committed to them. It's the highest expression of covenant commitment. Because when two people have sex, they, they are giving them, their, themselves in total to each other. They're holding nothing back. And it, it's not just a physical giving. It's emotional. It's mental. It's spiritual. Uh, every, all of your insecurities, all of your fears, everything that no one else sees, you're giving yourself over to that person. It's the highest expression of covenant commitment. It's saying, I unconditionally give myself to you. It's a self-gift. Um, Tim, Tim Keller, in his marriage book, he calls sex a covenant renewal ceremony. 
Because each time you have sex with your spouse, what you're doing is you're, is you're, you're acting out your marriage vows. Right? You're showing in action what you said in your marriage vows. I give myself to you in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. Uh, it's, it's a covenant renewal ceremony. Uh, it's the highest expression of commitment uh, with, within, the, within a covenant relationship. Now, given all that context, what adultery is, is, is adultery is not simply breaking a promise. Uh, it's not simply unfaithfulness. Uh, it, it is all those things, but it's much deeper. It is the breach of an unconditional covenant. Uh, in fact, it's the blaspheming of a covenant. Uh, because in the covenant you say, I will give myself to you unconditionally. But when you commit adultery, what you do is you create a, a conditional relationship. Uh, you turn the covenant into contract. And you say, because I'm not getting something here, I'm going to go elsewhere. Uh, it, it objectifies the covenant partner because it turns the covenant into a conditional contract. It turns unconditional love into performance. It turns self-giving into self-getting. It, it turns selflessness into selfishness. Uh, it creates the uh, it creates uh, the covenant to it, it turns the covenant into a, a contract. And I think, unfortunately, many uh, you know young married people today see marriage essentially as a contract. Uh, they say, you know, I'm getting married to this person because, uh, you know, they're, they're really funny or they're really handsome or, or you know, and so on. And, and that's not wrong. You know, I'm funny, obviously. Uh, at least my wife thinks so. But, um, but marriage is, is not a conditional relationship. Uh, but if you, if you treat marriage as, as a contractual conditional relationship, what happens when you are unsatisfied with your relationship? Well, you, you, can, you can go and be unfaithful and you can feel justified. Uh, but the reality is, is that if marriage is a covenant, adultery is never justified. Um, adultery is, is, is turning the covenant uh, upside down. And, um, and so God wants us to understand that marriage is a covenant. It's a holy thing. Uh, you know, in Romans 13, uh, God says in Romans 13 to treat the marriage bed as a holy, sacred thing. Uh, because that's exactly what it is. It is the deepest expression of unconditional love. Uh, it is the deepest expression of unconditional self-giving and selflessness. Sex is not so much about what you can get, but what you can give. Okay, and that is what, uh, what covenant is all about. And adultery uh, turns that upside down. And so that's what adultery it is. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a breach of the covenant. It's unfaithfulness to this covenant commitment that you've made. Okay, but let's go ahead and move on to the, the second point here. What... Uh, does adultery involve? What does adultery involve? Well, obviously, it involves, you know, just at, at that most basic level, it involves uh, physical sexual unfaithfulness. It involves uh, giving your body over to someone else. And, uh, you know, we can't underplay uh, uh, the seriousness of that act. As I said before, it's, it's, a, it's a self-giving of the, uh, uh, it's, it's a selflessness. Uh, it involves uh, bearing your whole self to someone. Um, it's a violent act of, of unfaithfulness. Okay, but um, what Jesus does in, in the Sermon on the Mount is he says, yes, adultery is that, but it's not just that. Uh, yes, adultery is, is, is sexual unfaithfulness, but it's not just uh, sexual unfaithfulness. It, it, it goes much deeper than that. Um, he says here in, in Matthew 5, he says, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. All right, now what's, what's Jesus doing here? Well, it's just like last week. Right? Brent said that if you hate someone in your heart, 
Uh, even if you haven't uh, touched that person phys- uh, uh, in, a, in any violent way, you've committed murder, right? Uh, if you've hated someone or if, or if you're angry with someone in your heart, that is the same thing as murder. Uh, because that always comes before murder. Long before murder is committed, you have hatred uh, in your heart. Uh, and it's the same with adultery. Uh, if you've ever lusted after someone, with lustful intent, what Jesus said, the adultery has already been committed in your heart. Uh, long before, uh, uh, long before the, uh, the act of sex is, is, is committed, the adultery is already there in your heart. And the point here is that God doesn't just want external obedience. It is the heart that also counts. Uh, He he wants obedience from the inside out. He wants faithfulness uh, from the inside out. Uh, Not just external faithfulness. And, you know, the the Pharisees were very good at external obedience. They understood uh, that they were uh, part of uh, of this covenant with God. And uh, they understood that obedience was needed. Uh, total self-giving was needed, and they were very good at, at obeying all of the rules, at least on the outside. And yet when Jesus, comes in, uh, when Jesus comes into contact with them, they hate him. They despise him. And in fact, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. Right? They look good on the outside, but on the inside they are dead. Uh, they, they praise God with their lips, but on the inside their hearts are far from them, as uh, the prophets say. And uh, just like with our relationship with God, it is, it, is, uh, it is possible to never commit adultery one day in your life and yet in your heart uh, commit it every day of your life. Uh, th- that's the soberness uh, that, that Jesus wants us to understand about adultery. Uh, he wants covenant faithfulness from the inside out. Uh, he wants faithfulness uh, in every area of your life, not just physically. Uh, he wants faithfulness in your mind, in your desires, in your intentions, in your will, in your interactions with people. Uh, he wants you to be faithful to your spouse in every single area of your life. And so it's not just the physical act that, that matters. Okay, now, and, you know, an immediate application here is, uh, you know, have eyes for no one else but your spouse. Right, Job says in, uh, in Job 31, he says, I have covenant with my eyes to never look at a woman lustfully. Right? Make that commitment with yourself. Make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with your mind and your heart and your intentions and your will to say, I am never going to desire or look after another woman or another man lustfully again. Uh, that's what Jesus wants. Uh, another thing that uh, this, this includes is pornography. Uh, pornography is nothing less than, than, uh, than covenant unfaithfulness. Uh, it, it's, it's not just simply looking at pictures on, on the computer. Um, it, it is nothing less than adultery. And, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't really take this seriously until I, I got engaged to my wife. Um, I didn't understand the depth of pornography. I didn't understand the depth of what it meant to lust after someone until I had someone looking, in, uh, looking at my face and saying, Lucas... I need you to be faithful to me in every area possible. And, and Andrew still, uh, still says that to me. If, you, you know, if I look at pornography, I need to see that as adultery, as unfaithfulness to my, to my own wife. And so Jesus wants heartfelt faithfulness. Jesus wants heartfelt faithfulness. Um, but that's just the negative side, right? There's also a positive side. What is Jesus calling for? Well, he's calling to not commit adultery, to not lust, 
but he's also calling us to commit our entire lives to our marriage partner. Uh, he, he's calling us to commit all of ourselves for all of life to our covenant spouse. Uh, and, and that means every area. Uh, you know, um, and includes how we spend our time, uh, how we direct our attention, uh, the, the amount of time we spend at work, um, your interactions with other people. Um, every area, uh, God is calling us to be faithful. And it's not, and it's not simply sexual, it's, it's financial. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's your time. You know, uh, one thing that I was um, reminded of just a couple weeks ago, you know, when Andrew and I first got married, we created this budget, and um, I was pretty awful at it when we first got married. I would just buy random, just weird things off Amazon. You know, Andrew would just see these weird charges on our bank accounts. You know, I would buy three Starbucks a day. You know, raise your hand if you can relate here. Am I the only one? Um, and she'd come up to me, she'd like, dude, you need to stop spending we- uh, stu- money on weird stuff, you know. You can't just buy whatever you want, you know. And um, I, had, I had gotten better at it, but a few weeks ago, my wife uh, found uh, my credit card statement, and she came to me, she said, Lucas, I think somebody stole our credit card. And I said, no, that was me, you know. <laughs> I, spent, I spent something outside of our budget, I put on my credit card because I didn't want you to see it. <laughs> and she saw it, so... But I apologize. But, but that's what Jesus is calling for. He's calling for faithfulness, even in, you know, even in non-sexual areas, you know, finance, time. How do you spend your time? Who do you re- uh, direct your attention to? Uh, the reality is, is you know, if we are in covenant with this person, we have agreed to give all of ourselves, uh, which means we don't work more than we need to. You know, it is so easy for me to work extra long hours uh, way more than I need to, or, or to, to, to focus so much on my work that I'm neglectful of uh, spending time with my, with my family. You know, some, I love to read books, and I, and I try to reserve it to, uh, to, to work time because I just love to read theology and, and all that nerdy stuff. But I'll bring the books home, and, and, and sometimes I'll read a book for hours and hours and hours on end. And I won't even say a word to my wife. And she'll be like, so, do you want to spend some time together tonight, you know? Uh, that's, you know? That is not good, right? I'm not being faithful to the covenant. Um, that's what God is, uh, is calling us to. Radical, heartfelt obedience to the covenant. Right? Don't, don't just commit uh, to, to not, have adul- uh, to not uh, commit adultery. Uh, commit your entire heart and your entire life, all of yourselves, uh, to your spouse. That's, that's what Jesus wants. And uh, so, so that's what adultery involves. Let's go ahead and move to our, our last point here, which is how do we stay faithful to the covenant? Um, and, and, if, and if you're like me, you know, you're reading this commandment by Christ. And every one of the commandments, right, uh, they seem completely impossible. You know, last week I was just like, man, I, am, I have an anger problem, you know. Uh, I have never, I don't even know how to shoot a gun, and yet I've killed so many people in my heart, you know. And, and, and I'm reading this commandment, I'm saying, how is it even possible to never lust after another, after another person, to always be faithful from the inside out to my wife? How is that even possible? Um... Well, what the message of the gospel says is that it is possible. Uh, it is possible, and, and there's two ways that it's possible. There's two ways that it's possible. Uh, first, if you want to be faithful to the covenant, you have, you have to understand. You have to get this deep down into your bones. You have to understand God's covenant faithfulness to you. Um, we worship a God who is a covenant God, not a contractual God. And, and what I mean is his love is unconditional. It's all-embracing. 
Uh, his love goes all the way down to death, which is the message of the cross. And, and, and the whole story of the Old Testament is that God is faithful even in our unfaithfulness. The whole story of Israel is that we are all adulterers, is that we are all unfaithful to God, is that we have all turned away, is what, uh, what Paul says in Romans 3. And yet God will not turn away. Even when we break his heart over and over and over and over again, he enters into the darkness of our sin to be with us. And, you know, just, to, just as an aside, I don't want to pretend, um, you know, we are all, you know, sinners, we're all adulterers, but some of us are victims of adultery. Um, we worship a God who suffers with us. We worship a God who has had his heart broken and torn to pieces over and over again and yet still loves. He knows our pain. Uh, he knows the weight of rejection. Because on the cross, his own people rejected him. There was no one. Everyone rejected him. And yet, our God went all the way down into death in love, in faithful covenant love. Um, that is such a powerful, uh, a powerful thing that we, can, uh, we need to get a hold of. God is a covenant God. He's not a contractual God. He doesn't love us if. He loves us always. Even when we've turned our back on him, he loves us always. And so we have to get, we have to get that down into our bones. But second of all, we can't just know of God's love. We have to have God's power within us. We have to have God's power within us. And the message of the gospel is this, is not just that God has done something for us. Right? On the cross, Jesus Christ offered himself for our sins, and we are redeemed. Uh, God forgives all of, our sins, uh, all of our sins. He accepts us, okay? But he doesn't just do something for us. In the gospel, Jesus Christ does something in us. Uh, w when we believe in Jesus Christ, his resurrection life, the power of the Holy Spirit comes and makes us new from the inside out. Uh, he gives us a new heart, able to obey the commands. He gives us new motivations and new desires and new abilities that we've never had before. Uh, to obey like we've never obeyed before. Uh, that is the hope and the message of the gospel, that we can say no uh, to adultery. We can say no to lust. Um, that's the hope of the gospel. Frederick Bruner has this, just as we end here, Frederick Bruner has this quote from his commentary on Matthew where he says this, he says, we have all heard people, often psychologists, say publicly that it is impossible to expect people, especially young people, to control sexual desires. Yes, but what is impossible with human beings is possible with God. And thus, it is the universal Christian experience that sexual impulses are controllable. There are faithful marriages, and there are young premarried persons who are able to control their sexual desires. Um, the fatalism of social sciences is subject to the power of Christ's lordship. That's the message of the gospel. With God, all things are possible. Not only does he accept us, but he empowers us. Uh, and that's the hope of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you um, that you are a covenant-keeping God. Uh, that, you not, uh, that you don't just love us because of something inside of us. You love us regardless of the sin and the, and, and the filth inside of us. And you go down... Uh, and you die for us uh, to save us. Help us understand that, Father, and help us to live uh, in obedience to this command um, by your power uh, and by your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.